Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Everybody and welcome in to the Penny Bloom podcast, and this is the start of a brand new project. This is the start of something new, as was said in the wonderful high school musical. We are starting the director's spotlight, and the first director that is going under the spotlight is one Wes Anderson, as we hotly await his new film, Asteroid City. We are starting today with the Royal Tenenbaums. I am Colton Robertson, and I am joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? Oh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. Like I said, the Royal Tenenbaums originally premiered at the New York Film Festival on October 5th, 2001. It was written by Owen Wilson and Wes Anderson and directed by Wes Anderson with cinematography by Robert Yeoman. And, uh, man, I, uh, I'm excited for this project, man. You said mm-hmm. that you've been itching to get into, been itching to get into a little bit of Wes Anderson and now's the time. Yeah. How you feeling after this oh, one? Yeah. One down. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm definitely glad that I've begun the Wes Anderson train because I'm not hopping off anytime soon. Um, and th- I don't know, it's been a, he's been a director that I've just heard so much about, but I've just never gotten around to watching his movies. And I just, I've heard that he's just so unique and just so different. Um, and I had no idea how or really any way. And then I just start seeing some like clips from his movies and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, this is, I just got to see. I got to see for myself now. I got to get into this. And then this project came along perfect timing as well. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I could, couldn't have asked for a better timing. And, and for a first viewing, um, I was, I don't know, I was very shocked as in it didn't go the direction i thought it would at all i I knew nothing about this movie at all uh going into it i just went in full blind just started it no trailer no synopsis no anything it's the way to do uh, it but it was i don't know it was so enjoyable and just so different such a unique like movie experience um Mm. and yeah yeah, man I'm, i'm loving it so i've actually this was actually the last wes anderson movie i've made my way around to I've watched all the other ones, and this was a first viewing for me, um, but I don't have any others of those on our little run of eight up until Asteroid City, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a wonderful, wonderful little movie. I think there's there's something about Gene Hackman where if he is a part of a movie, that movie is going to be better because of it. Um yeah. That man is just so fucking good at what he does, man. It's it's impeccable. And that's the thing we were talking about off mic, the balance of like comedy with the with the dramatic and the melancholic that uh Wes Anderson strikes here in the Royal Tenenbaums. And there is no better example of that. Uh well there's a couple examples, but Ro- uh, Royal Tenenbaum is a really really peak example. A man who's 
regretful of his life decisions, but doesn't actually realize he's regretful of it yet. Mm. He recognizes that it's what he's supposed to do is make amends with his family, but he doesn't know. It's not until he starts doing it that he realizes he always wanted to do that. Mm. And uh, there's something so lovable about this whole family, this eccentric, zany group of characters who all in some way hate each other, but our family, you know, the, the tagline for this movie was a, uh, uh, I think it was like family isn't a word; it's a sentence. Mm. <laughs> like, wow. uh, like it's a sentence. You you are sentenced to life <laughs> with your family. Um, yeah. yeah, I love how I think that's why this movie kind of like I was. I'm trying to figure out why I got actually connected to these characters so much because like they're all crazy and like they're all just so eccentric and like one's just. A superstar tennis player. One's a you know a a master. A I don't know. Margot is very interesting to me. Um, like like, uh, I was trying to figure out if like she was because she was more in like into the arts and stuff, right? Kind of like into yeah. She was like, she was a playwright. And I thought that it. I thought that um Eli Cash was like the front, uh, just like the the symbol for Mar all of Margot's writing oh. and everything. It was actually Margot's writing, but then like. I don't know. It actually didn't go there, and like so I was, I thought that she, I don't know, like was gonna have more going there. But like that's the thing is that interesting. All like all of where I thought this movie was gonna go was the complete it wrong direction. Didn't. Like no. nowhere even near. That's um, what's so fascinating about the way Wes Anderson's writing typically goes. Um, it takes not the mundane, you know, because this isn't boring, mm -hmm. you know. But what you expect to be like, oh, there could be conspiracy and there could be all this and there could be all that. Mm -hmm. It's actually much more simple than that. Yeah. And they make it and he makes it so much more grandiose in that setting. Yeah, I guess and it's, uh, when you boil it down, it's really just the kids come back to their childhood home because they're all a, in a rut. Father. Yeah, they're all in a little everyone's just kind of in a little rut. And th like, I don't know, they they all like kind of didn't even come back for his father in the first place. They were all, like, uh, Chaz was coming back because his house wasn't safe, you mm -hmm. know, and he was still just going through that trauma. we got to install and, some sprinklers. Um, this yeah. place doesn't have sprinklers either. Well, did we you might pack have to install before them you left, or how did you do, you know, like, I love, like, this, it's that sort of comedy, you know, that this, like, sprinkled throughout the whole movie. But yeah, like, Chaz was going because of safety. Margot was just like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm actually depressed too, Mom. Yeah, like, and she's like, what? Um, I'm not okay. a huge fan of my husband, who's yeah. 30 years older than me, and I, I don't know. I think I'm okay. And then, does Richie? He hears he hears like a transmission, and he like he's like immediately Richie coming home. Richie is, is the it... one who actually cares about their father, yeah, and wants okay. to make sure he's okay. Um, hmm. Richie is actually since we're doing all our favorites like usual, scene, shot, performance, character, and line. Um, he's my favorite character in this movie. I love I loved me some Richie Tenenbaum. I thought that he was a uh, you know, it's a complicated character obviously given the yeah. whole uh, I've never watched a movie or a show where they did the whole like uh brother falls in love with sister angle um yeah. and thought, "Man, they did that good. They did that good in this one, man." And here's yeah. the thing. They did a really good job of balancing the whole like they made it clear that Royal never treated her the same. Mm -hmm. and never 
always reinforced that she was adopted, always reinforced that she wasn't actually a part of the family, didn't invite her to go see the grandma's grave because Mm -hmm. it wasn't actually her grandma, which is fucked up. Uh, but it did open the door for Richie to be able to fall in love with his adoptive sister. Um, and it make it more believable and me more okay with it than I've ever been in any sort of media. Um, yeah, like I think Royal says it perfectly whenever he's up on the roof, giving Richie the advice, you know, kind of, he's like, well, you know, I guess it could work, but honestly still frowned upon, you know, even though you are, you know, it's like, it's still like, he's just talking about it. Like, yeah, I guess this could work. Uh, but still frowned upon, and that's just ca- Dude, like handled love... in the movie perfectly. Like, yeah, just every time they brought it up, it was just handled so well. But Richie, that's—I don't know—I'm struggling to figure my favorite character. But no, Richie, yeah, I, I like think. I just I loved Richie because he was—he's just a lover, man. He loved—he loved his father, even in spite mm-hmm. of all the terrible shit that happened. And you know, there's also the fact that Royal took him everywhere and didn't invite the other siblings. So maybe there's a little bit more of a soft spot that Richie has for his father because he got to experience more things. And, you know, but whenever Chaz goes up to his tent and is like, what the fuck, man? Like, what's your problem? What are you doing? He's like, I don't have a problem. I Mm. love you. I love your family. Yeah. And I want everything to be okay. And he's like, damn you, man. And he's like, I love you, buddy. You know, like he's just saying that he's yeah. Yeah. Like like you're too perfect. He loves so much that it ends up, you know, hurting him in Mm -hmm. the, in the short term. You know, I loved uh, that scene was gruesome as all hell. And I can give you a firm, firm assurance. I wasn't expecting that. And I'd watched, all these other movies that's that's as dark as that yeah that guy gets um like oh really that's in terms of visuals story elements you know like uh there's always somebody in the movie or everybody in every movie has some sort of tragedy that happened to them and Mm -hmm. they handle it so casually and it's so interesting that way because i one of the interesting things about wes anderson's style too in terms of writing is I think it tries to reinforce that everyone's got shit mm. and there's a, there's a way to handle it well and just keep pushing forward. And I think that's something that, uh, this movie spent time on the, the inability to push forward through that shit with Richie, with Chaz, uh, with Margot, even like all the kids have this shit, this baggage with their dad or their siblings in some way with their family that they can't seem to get past. And when they finally do at the end of the movie, that's when you go, oh, my yeah. God, this is so fucking good. Yeah, that scene that because I, I feel like I've seen that mirror shot somewhere before. Like, I feel like I don't know where. But I feel like I've seen, like, the flipping back and forth of, like, whenever, like, he was, you know, cutting his hair and then it kind of, like, flipped, like... Flashed. Yeah, I think, like, maybe just in, like, a movie edit or, like, maybe it was, like, some... I don't know. But, like, whenever it was popping, I'm, like... Like, he was cutting his hair first, you know, I'm, th- I'm like, kind of little, like, okay. Like, I, I think, you know, I think I... um like kind of right on where this is going. And then he just says out loud, you know, like I'm going I'm to kill, to myself, kill myself tomorrow. tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, we doesn't are going wait very there. long either. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to kill myself tomorrow. And then does it right then. Oh, and it's and like, I'm like, Oh my God. And then like, but that I was trying to find, like, I didn't want to pick it as like my favorite scene because no, like, yeah. it's not really my favorite scene, but I just wanted like the shot, like just the, 
how well the scene was done though like oh, dude, how well so like good. you actually just like i don't know we were right there with them and then like boom it just hits like you're like holy fuck like out of nowhere you're you're laughing in earlier parts in the movie and just having like a good time was, smiling my god it was boom. so fucking good because like when he says i'm gonna kill myself tomorrow it then just flashes to all those memories and then you're like oh he didn't wait yeah. You know, like his life is flashing before his eyes. He is he is seeing what he's done and it goes backwards because the first flash is him with the full haircut and then it go it just keeps going back and back and back and back in terms of timeline. Um oh, and like and then his, his arms are bleeding like crazy and you're like, "Oh fuck. Oh no. No." Like kid. who who's a uh... Dudley Dudley. Yeah, I'm still I'm Poor still Dudley. like the names. I'm still getting used to all the yeah. names still. Um like that no, that's a lot of thing I'm terrible with in there's movies and TV in general, so um but No, okay. man, but I I had to go Richie for the character and in part that was my way a little bit of paying homage to that scene, you know, because okay. I think mm-hmm. the journey that Royal goes on specifically is probably the most fulfilling, but uh Yeah. I wanted to throw why... some love to the character I appreciated on a personal yeah. level more. Um, and that's that's Richie, man. I just thought that uh I, I if I'm not mistaken, is he the old was he the oldest brother or the youngest brother? I think so. I think it went I think he was the oldest. Because I thought it was Richie Chaz Margo. Um that's how I, I thought so. it went in terms of age, but I I don't know. Maybe they never they, maybe they never clarified that. Um, I guess yeah. Looking at just like family tree, and it's just like stuff made on Pinterest. So I don't really know yeah. how accurate you know this. Yeah, you know I don't think they ever confirmed it, but there there was this element to him that I uh, like related to to a degree, and I don't know I I so I projected onto him. Mm older sibling because that's mm-hmm. that's what i am oh, he definitely like felt that. like it for sure yeah like, like he he's the one who looked out for his parents the most and wanted mm-hmm. all the family to come together and be like hey it's all right guys everything's gonna be fine we all love each other right you know so like that's uh that was something that i really admired in him and related to to a degree and uh it made me it, it made me go with richie as my favorite character i love that guy and at his peak you know he's at like in whatever match he's in in tennis and it's the day <laughs> after margo and and raleigh st Clair. raleigh raleigh yeah raleigh st Clair. wow um but after they get married he's just, just skying them up into the up in the stands i'm like why i don't know that so like that's a, i guess that you're more you're right it's more of like just the situation that's like that's the funny part is like the situation that they're in um but I don't, man, I do have Royal Tenenbaum as my character right now because I feel like that's kind of like the the point of the movie. That's the crux is like, of the film. Yeah, yeah, is like I think you're right in that it's like everyone has shit. Everyone has shit, no matter no matter what. And I think, um, but I think like Royal is like everyone has shit. Also, Royal is a piece of shit himself. You mm. know, like he's also just like not really a good person. He's the root um, of all of their shit. Yeah. And and seeing him like come around 
at the end, you know, at the end, like whenever he just straight up, here's a present, here's the divorce papers. I'm so happy. You know, I, I want this to happen now. Like I, I real I don't know. It was all, um, Oh yeah, man. The so fulfilling of his man. arc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just so, so satisfying. Mm. And yeah. there's this element <clears throat> that you'll catch on to because as soon as he started coming around, I went, Oh, Royal's going to die. And that's just, like that's how Wes Anderson's movies go is that like, it's so it's so simple. It's so straight to the point. You know, they're just like Mm -hmm. Royal Tenenbaum passed away at 68 of a heart attack. And that was that, you know, Chaz was the only one there to witness his death. And it's like, uh, everything's so matter of fact, it's like somehow he manages to tell a story that's so emotionally fulfilling while it's all, it almost feels like journalism like really good journalism where he's just yeah. reporting what he saw and what the family went through and stuff. And then it's just like, by the end of it, you're like, Oh my fucking God, this is, this is so goddamn like, good, man. Is this an actual book? Was it like, or is no, no. So he, he just wrote, makes it seem like a book. This is not the only time he does that either. The grand Budapest hotel is also modeled after a book that they open at the beginning and they're, they're reading okay. and stuff. Um, I fuck with that. So the French like, dispatch is a magazine. It's, it, it's That's literally, so cool. it's literally an issue of a magazine with like four different stories that are written in the magazine. So okay. like, it's, yeah, okay. like it's a really great, like the creativity that comes with the way he tells his stories is so fucking satisfying dude. I, like it's, it's just a little part of the movie but like each chapter you get to read like the little first couple the little sentences, first sentence. and then you're yeah. like oh damn this is if this is a book he's holding really true to like this book here like li- like the fir- i don't know it's like i guess it was just the script you know or like mm-hmm. uh literally you know but uh in just showing it like a book i don't know well, and, i think and the way the first sentence was also like always leading up to the thing you were about mm. to see it's never the thing you're seeing mm. like uh there i think it was chapter two or three whenever chaz and his kids go back home uh the the excerpt in the book was like a uh, the bell rings and pagoda heads to the door and then like he and then the scene kicks off and he's opening the door and mm-hmm. the kids are out there and it's like ah cool you know like they they literally pick it up <laughs> from there um no nah, i mean i I loved this movie, man. There's a, you know, I always, I always talk about uh, how we're highly anticipating that top 100, uh, top 100 movies. I'm a spoiler right now. All eight of these are on there. Um, I'd say they will probably be for me as well. Yeah. I'm, I, I mean, I, this is my first one of all of them. Um, and I don't know, we were, talking off my i guess it might be a little spoiler maybe i keep it down nah, that's actually. all right it's all right um, it might change you know uh yeah since this was my first viewing of this film i've watched all these other ones not all of them multiple times but i've watched grand budapest hotel multiple times and life aquatic multiple times and uh let's see fantastic mr fox and isle of dogs and the french dispatch watched all those multiple times at the moment I have the Royal Tenenbaums at 8 out of 8 as far as what we're covering. That might change as we go through and I see him evolve as a filmmaker and stuff. But Because uh, there is something so different about the way he started versus what he becomes. You know, like there's a... Uh, mm. There are two movies that came before this in Bottle Rocket and Rushmore. And they are... This is the first movie where he like leans into his style 
completely. And even then, the way that style evolves is so like it's so much even even from this mm. one to the life of life aquatic you see a little bit of an evolution already and that just keeps going um so it's interesting to see him at the at the beginning of his career i know it was his third feature film like he's an established director and stuff at this point but like uh i don't know it's it's so funny to see someone with such a long career continue to evolve from a place when they were already so fucking good at what they did um yeah, and this. So being, yeah, at at the moment I have it eight out of eight, but I'm gonna reevaluate bad, it as we go through, and we'll see. That sounds bad, but I I hear that as just a very a very good news actually. Like it, if yeah. it can only go up from here. Like I said, then, these are all top 100 favorites yeah. of all time for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I'm I'm super excited um, because I I came out of this and I'm like, oh, I'm full on Wes Anderson now. You know, like I'm I'm in on his style. This is so unique. Like I need to just see everything that this dude has to offer because you're not getting it really anywhere else. I don't know. Like I, I, I understand like, it, I don't know. You ask me like three years ago, name your favorite director style or your favorite director in general. Couldn't mm-hmm. tell you anybody. I don't know. I'd be like, well, I like these movies. I guess whoever directed those maybe if right, they're the same, right. I, I like, I can maybe piece together some styles, but not really like, and now that, you know, we just talked a lot more about movies. I'm getting into that stuff now. It's it's so much cooler, like, to see the technical side of, of movie making, what, like, goes into it, and all, like, the creative process mm. um, that goes into it. And, and seeing, you know, you know, I, we're, we're coming off, you know, the comic book film. We see a movie like Catwoman, and I can see where a movie can just fall apart completely, you know. Like, it, it one area of a movie can just completely, like, ruin a movie but this mm. is it's like a whole symphony where everything's just going right at the same time everyone's yeah. performing well everyone's funny and then when it needs to get emotional i'm like actually crying too right um it's like it's like just a, a roller coaster of a movie and it's i don't know it's unlike i that's the thing it's categorized as a comedy like i guess yeah comedy drama is just what it says on imdb yeah, and I would, I mean, I would agree with that, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, it is funny. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that, like, Gene Hackman says that is just so fucking hilarious. You know what I'm saying? And he is the, he is actually the reason this movie's funny. You know, none of the other characters say funny things. They more just find themselves in situations that are a little, little comedic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I just, uh, I I had to go with Gene Hackman as Royal Tenenbaum for my performance just because uh, he's not the reason this movie works. This movie would have worked. He just made it infinitely better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I don't think anything – like, I'm pretty sure. I'm kind of going back and forth on character of who to give it to, but I think performance-wise it just has to be Gene Hackman here. Like, just the actual – comedic value that he brought to the table and then just at the end there like and then, i don't know like him playing with uh his grand like grandkids like yeah, getting, yeah. i don't know like at first um bringing them out of the dumpster and then like you see that shot of chaz joining them you yeah. know on the back of the like so i don't know it's like at first i hate you know hate his guts and he like he says a lot of either homophobic or racial you know yeah, charged things yeah. and you're like okay yeah we're we're supposed to hate this guy you know like pretty pretty easily easily hateable but then you're like hmm 
Uh, I see he's coming around, you know, like he, he and he does. Wes Anderson does that with so many of his protagonists. Mm-hmm. He makes them unlikable, shitty people. And then he sends them on a journey that real that makes them realize, oh, God, I'm an unlikable, shitty person. Um, What's the lot? What's the. uh Glover is his last real Danny God, Glover. Danny Glover. What is his character name though in this? Oh, it was uh, it was oh fucking, Mister uh, Sherman Henry, Henry Sherman. Sherman. Okay, yeah. Uh, whenever they're walk, it's like after freaking Owen Wilson crashes his car into the house, and they're walking over to like grab the boys, and it's Henry and Royal, and then he's like. I forgot what Royal says to him, but he's like, hey, you know, I'm actually trying to do good now. I don't know if this means anything to you, but but then Henry's like, I don't think you're a piece of shit. I just think you're a little son of a bitch or something like that. Yeah, or like, I just think yeah. you're you're a little bit of a son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, Royal was just like, you know what? I appreciate you saying that. Like, yeah, exactly. I love, like, at the end, it's just everyone kind of made their peace with everyone, mm. you know? And it's like it, it, this weird-ass family, you know, like, what an ensemble like that we just got going on here at the end like, like that way uh i don't know i think that's i couldn't pick any other scene any other than that wedding it's just because that's just when everything comes together everyone and everyone is there yeah. everyone's going crazy and like even at the very beginning when you know the bride and groom are separating they're they're all getting ready you know you have the boys in there with henry and then you know you got margo in there with with mom and and uh you have the moment with like Henry and Chaz where it's like, you know, I know, I know you lost. I'm a know, widower. widower. And it's like, I know they have like that kind of connection. Like it's, it's very slight, very super mm-hmm. small little connections that each character has like in this. In this well, moment. and that, that one operated in a, on a cool level too, because there's that part at the beginning of the movie, whenever they're sitting down at the dinner table in their home where Chaz is insistently calling him Mr. Sherman That's and right. uh, their mom is like, call him henry and he's like he's always been mr sherman he's your accountant he has been for 10 years so whenever he goes you know like when he hears that henry lost his wife and he he has to tell him more there's something there's something with henry there where he goes like i know that's kind of like a i've been open to who you are as a person i've listened i know your mom Mm mm-hmm it's time you accept me too. You know, like, uh, yeah. like we're 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 more similar than you think. You know, and I think Chaz is finally accepting that, and I think that's uh, I I love that, and you know, that's it's exactly the person that Chaz would relate to the most, the business minded, always doing the calculations and stuff like that. Exactly, uh, it's like it's the actual dad that Chaz wanted, kind of like it's perfect, like it, mm. even more per like not perfect that he is a widower like i don't i don't want right, that right. for him at all but it's like it makes the connection even easier and like yeah it's like perfect situation um and i don't know if this is the line exactly but after the you know royal gives them the divorce papers and he's like mm. all right here you go he's he's like getting back on the bus um he says something along like something like hmm i just i i I don't understand, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, wait, no, I actually get it now. I I get it now. Henry, you're just everything that I am not. Mm. Um, and I think it was like literally it had me realize that like throughout the whole story, like that's kind of what Henry was there for. Like every time Royal would be gone and not there at all and like he was scheming, you know, and, and, 
and just doing his own thing. Uh, Henry would be there, and he's like, how can I help? You know, he's walking in instantly. How can I help? And he's, you know, he has his tie and his glasses or whatever. And, like, you know, he's yeah. always, like, never worried about himself whatsoever, um, but always worried about everyone else. And and I think when Royal says that, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, what a per Like, just the way the story goes, like, Henry is just the anti to Roy, like to Royal, hmm. like completely, and and that's why um, what's the ethylene? Yeah, ethylene. Yeah, ethyl. Just I think like actually falls in love with him. You know, it's like the first time that she's actually like, oh, considered. Yeah, I'll think about this. You know, like what a what a way, what a proposal, and what like a way to fall in love. You know, or whatever. Like what a love story that that it was. But like I don't know. By the end of the movie, I actually care about them. Like I'm actually attached to that. Like mm-hmm. it started so boringly, and it's like. You know, he was just talking t- for tax purposes or whatever. You know, I think you should be single. And actually, I love you. Will you marry me? Yeah, um, exactly. Like, exactly. Um, no, I but, love that, man. I uh, What's so fascinating is that, like, I love that Henry is, like, the next step for Ethel, you know. Mm. Even though they are getting married and stuff, there's something that's funny about it where there's that scene where her and Royal are like walking next to that pond in the woods and stuff. Mm. Uh, the chemistry these two had was fucking impeccable. They had like a, they were really good in scenes together. Uh, Gene Hackman and Angelica Houston. But uh, there's oh. this interesting thing where they have, they have the chemistry of a long divorced couple. Like this is yeah. a very specific type of chemistry where yes. like, I it's know exactly old. what you're talking. They know they know each other in a way nobody else will and they like Royal he's trying to get back in her life but Ethel knows it's never going to come back to that. Mm-hmm. You know like she's like I'll I'll keep you around but it's it like it's not that. It's never going to be that. And she even and, like reminisced a little bit. You know mm-hmm. like he said something um and we don't even really know what it what it was i don't mm-hmm. think but like he said something she's like ah oh, just your little quips or like your little tendencies that you have the little things you say when they were mm-hmm. i think they were on that walk like in the yeah, pond yeah and and royal didn't even realize what he said but it's just like that's just a long at like long-term couple thing that you know yeah. only they would understand um but yeah you're you're totally right it like the chemistry they had was exactly that of a long divorced just couple um, and I don't, it's so crazy that, like, I think I will actually go with Gene, like, or Royal as my character. Cause I, I, mm. I really do think, like, that's the most satisfying character of the movie. I, I really do like Chaz and, like, his storyline, like, where, where it all went and how, how he came around, how his kids, you know, actually had a good time with Royal, stuff like that. But, but I think, like, the more satisfying story of the movie is Royal. You know, oh, and at yeah. the end, and, and I think making his death sort of fast and just like that um, is way better because, like, he kind of, I don't know, he faked assault, you know, like, yeah, he's dying of stomach cancer. He has six weeks left. You know, he, he is dying. You know, I, I am dying. Was that he was dying. actually going to live another six weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, apparently it was a little longer. Um, like, I thought he was like baking sick and then like six weeks later he would drop dead um but i guess it was a little longer but still it had the same effect you know like he he lived like he was gonna die and there's that moment where he's talking to richie where he's like uh you know after all this closeness with death you know i think that uh i think i'm finally ready to go on and and richie's like you were never actually dying dad and i'm gonna live but but i'm gonna live 
you know, and it's like, I think like, that's what's funny is that like, while he said that, it's not that it's, it's not like he is trying, he is trying to be a little bit of a smart ass, but he means it, you know, he's like, he's kind of, I now this, this faking it even so made me realize what I need to do and what is important, you know? And I thought that that was, I thought that was super compelling. My favorite line of the movie actually comes when he's being thrown out of the house. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, just so you all know, these last six days have been the best of my life. And then the narrator kicks in and he goes, immediately after saying this, he realized it was true. Like, he was bullshitting. Yeah. He was just talking the fast talk that he always does. Mm-hmm. You know, these last six days have been the best of my life. And then he's like, oh, shit, they... They might have been like they actually were the best days. Yeah, you had that look on his face like the camera yeah. just kind of stays on him for a little bit. And he kind of like, hmm, that damn, a, yeah, that they are the best days. Of my, I, I don't know. I loved that. And it's because that's like the turning point. You know, it's it's when he realizes he needs to do better. And uh, I really, really appreciated that. It was so good. I love that after that, too, Pagoda walks him downstairs and stabs him in the stomach. Dude. That's the last time you'll ever put a knife in me. <laughs> like, I like. How many times has this dude and... stabbed him? You know, like I guess they've just—I don't know. Uh, it, it seems I met him. Uh, I met him. Uh, oh, I can't remember where he met him, but I met him. He, uh, you know, he—he he saved my life. I'd been stabbed like... in the stomach, and uh, and he took was me to the he hospital. Like a mob boss was Royal. Like I want to know what Royal did in between this time. You know, like he went on—I don't know—he kind of like a mob boss esque run there for a little bit it seemed you know he was in prison i feel like maybe they met in prison it kind of seemed that like there was a price on my head i don't think he was actually like out you know like how does he get that big of a bounty on his head outside i feel like it was just in prison and it was like yeah we want you dead and then pagoda was the guy that you know was gonna go shiv him and and kill him but then (laughs) they saved him in prison like i don't know maybe it was a cellmate i don't know like i'm trying to think you know all this in my head and I'm like, man, I want to know what the fuck Royal was up to, you know, during this time. Like, where he gets all this medical equipment that he, the guy owed the favor for, you know. Like, everything right. was seeming a little, like, just oh, yeah, mob bossy. Um, like, yeah. yeah, I did a favor for this guy. He owed me a bunch of medical equipment. Like, it, it uh, um, I, for, I, I feel like there are a, a, a couple other examples, but, like, um, why? Okay. Like, going to the dog fighting and shit. Like, that's a. Yeah. What Was I missing something? Whenever he was the Chaz's two kids, Uzi and what's the other one? Ari. Uh, Ari. Yeah, Uzi and Ari. They're like in the playground and like working out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, hey, like come over here. But he has like the phone. He's like holding the phone like on the phone booth like outside. Like, I don't know. Like, was I missing something or like was he like trying to record that conversation or like? I think he was about to make a call and then saw the grandkids and then just like didn't hang the phone up was all like i don't think uh i don't think he ended okay. up dialing a number i think it was just a little like he got distracted he started doing another thing i don't think because, it was like anything. there were sometimes like whenever it was like uh owen wilson and and gwyneth uh, let's see uh e margo and eli yeah trying to get character characters in here were like up on the roof talking he like had a big camera lens or whatever and was like taking pictures of him or whatever like to Right or like spying on him or something like that, and I didn't know like that was the PI, whoever the PI was, the oh. one that was investigating him, uh, investigating oh, okay. Margot to relay back to Raleigh and Richie who she was cheating with. Oh, okay, okay. Um, 
But I didn't know the phone. The phone. I just didn't know if I was missing something. I, I felt no, like I don't I'm think like, you were. I think it was just there? a. Okay. I think it was just a small detail that like they. He just he just picked up a phone, saw them, and was like, "Hey, come over here." You know who I am. I lo- I love that scene too. My favorite scene actually is the day of illegalities with Royal and his grandsons. Um, whenever he takes them to do all the shit, they just run across the street. You know, it's the it's the exact thing that those kids probably shouldn't be doing, but absolutely need after their dad's been the way he has been mm-hmm. for the last several months. Uh, yeah, Royal has a line that's kind of like he's talking to Ethel. I think like, yeah. he's like, you know, you know what those boys those boys need a little bit of recklessness in their life, you know, to show them the wrong. I think that's or terrible like, advice. Oh, he's yeah. like. No, you don't. You know, like it is kind of terrible. You know, terrible advice if you're always acting under that that mm. notion. But like right now, it is kind of what they need. And it was it was nice just to see, you know, like them throw water balloons at a taxi or whatever, run away, yeah. like them just uh, well, and that, just like, doing random things. Uh, I think it was it, it kind of gave Royal a chance to do. You know, he always did this stuff with Richie, but he did it for himself and just kind of brought Richie along. Mm-hmm. He was actually doing this for those kids. Yeah. So it was like a, it was a chance for him to kind of rectify his actions through the next generation of Tenenbaums, which I I really, really loved. And I thought that like the way Ari and Uzi are like, we we love Pappy, you know, and then he's like, Pappy, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, I don't know. I, I, I loved this movie and I loved the way they uh the dynamics between like every single character, there's just such a fascinating little there. Every single character connection has its little twinge. Everything's got its own thing. And I really, really appreciated that, man. It was just so damn good. Yeah. You can really just pick any two characters and there's like, there is something between them that was like Mm. really satisfying. Like even Chaz there, um, and Royal, like I, I, like I feel like, they're at the steps or something at the bottom of the stairs. And then Roy was leaving and he's like, don't do what I did, you know, to you. Like, I don't want your boys to end up like me mm-hmm. or something like that. And he just leaves. And I'm like, man, like this movie can really out of nowhere, like just get you to like, just really feel for the characters. And I feel like that's where his style is so like useful is it is so random and you are just seeing random situations that these characters are in, but you understand who they are more through these funny and weird situations, like weird interactions. Um, You just understand the characters more so that when the emotional moment comes, whenever it happens to be, you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. That actually like that has some weight to it. And like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way right now, but I am. Um, and I don't know, it just keeps happening over and over. And then in the end, it's it's like full circle, you know. And then it's just, I don't know. It, I I really, I don't know what to call, what to call it. But I think, like, it's just this way of storytelling is very. It's compelling. Yeah, it's it, it works. It just works very well. Mm. Uh, and for, like. I don't know, a movie that I just went full blind. I think it did work that I just went full blind into it. And like now that I I know what happens and everything and I won't have to figure out or like try to think of where the movie's going to go. And now I can just look back at all the character interactions and and I don't know, just kind of see the movie for what it really is. I, like a second watch of this is going to be really interesting mm. um, compared to the No, first. yeah, and I think uh, 
His Wes Anderson's movies are just like really, really fulfilling on almost every level. You know, I come away feeling roughly the same about all of them in terms of like where I'm left emotionally, where I'm like either some devastating shit has happened or, you know, the the devastating shit has happened. A character has realized what they need to realize and then the story is fulfilled and everything's okay. And that always, that always gets me, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm. it's a, there's a lot of uh, commonalities and sort of the storytelling method that he uses, but it always, he always finds a way to make it fresh and he always finds a way to make it feel new. And I think you'll find that with like Steve Zissou in the next movie. It's a very, it's very similar to Royal Tenenbaum in terms of like shitty guy, very not, very not cool finds himself and ends up being okay at the end and I, I really like that you know like that's a it's a fun little it's a fun little dichotomy to have for a character and i think that he knocks it out of the park every time um but yeah man i uh i adored this movie um i think the only favorite i haven't given out is my favorite shot and uh it's it's actually mm. after uh richie <laughs> leaves the hospital which i don't I don't think they just let you check yourself out. How that happens. Of a suicide attempt. Um, so when he said, yeah. uh, check myself out, I think he just left. Um, I think it might have been a, like a play on how mental health just isn't. Yeah, right. Like it's not like, oh, you're fine. You're alive now. Yeah, you survived. Like you're not going to do it again. We'll let you go. go I ahead. think like it's at the time. Like, cause when did this movie come out? Like 2001. Yeah. I feel like maybe it was just kind of like a, I don't know, maybe more of like a, a play on the real world aspect of that. Mm. Um, but I don't know. This... Yeah, no, but after that, when he goes home and he, uh, mm. he climbs through the window and goes to Margot's room, but she's not there. And then he like finds her in his tent in his room. Oh my God, man, my heart. I was like, I melted bro. And then the way they like go in there and they just sit, it's this shot. Like I like the one where they're laying down and she's got his, she's got her head on his, on his chest and stuff. But it's the one where she's sitting on the bed and he's sitting on the ground, like facing her, but they're, they're off kilter. So they're not facing each other directly. And one of them's looking straight forward. The other's looking straight forward. Oh dude, I loved it. It looked so fucking good. Uh, yeah, that scene was, I almost gave Gwyneth Paltrow the performance just because mm. of like how muted she had to play like the whole time. And then like in this moment, like whenever she was like, why'd you do it? You know, like, are you going to do it again? And he's like, I doubt. But then, like, you just see her, like, she's, like, Break. crying in between each, like, each question, mm-hmm. you know, like, she asked. And it's just like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it's crazy how the movie can just flip on a dime like that, yeah. you know, like, just, and I don't know. I'm I'm glad that, God, I don't, I feel like, no, I will stick with the character as Royal. But, like, Margot was my almost character because, Margo like, the life she went on, man. Uh, she's been a chain smoker since age, what, 12, 13? 12. I don't know. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, married, I don't know how many times, but she, she has some experience all around the world. She's been everywhere. It's uh, a pansexual queen right there. I mean, um, damn. Anything yeah. and everything, she's down for it. Um, um, I mean, you know, let's see, Raleigh, yeah. Raleigh St. Clair. Raleigh, yeah. Um. Like whenever he, they all find out and he's just laying on the couch, you know, like that, that was yeah. almost one of my shots was whenever, um, it was, 
it was him laying on the couch, and then you had his son in the background, and then you also had Richie kind of in the. I think it was that right before. Was that the bathroom? Was that no? That was not the bathroom. He wa uh he walked out of that, that bathroom and left to go uh to go do that. Okay, um, that's right. Okay. Oh wait, no. Or was that was it the bathroom. In that because, moment, no, yeah, because Dudley, because Dudley yeah, and Dudley Raleigh are the ones who are with him. Um, that's right. Yeah, and they take him to the hospital. So it is yeah. like right then and there. Yeah, it is right. Before. Yeah, pretty much. Because you deal, because I guess you kind of get introduced to the idea. Because I think, man, I don't, I just don't know. I feel like I'm pronouncing Raleigh, Rayleigh. I, I don't know Raleigh. why that, right. that's You're such right. a hard word for me to say. But like <laughs> he, I think he even says like. I don't want to live anymore. You know, like he, cause he's like laying there and his son's like, do you want to run any experiments <laughs> on me or anything? And I forgot, like, he's like, no, oh, there's a yeah. part of the, be <laughs> there was a part of the beginning that killed me because I didn't realize the movie would take it there because I don't know. It's just, I, I, like I said, I've watched all these movies. They're never as dark as the Richie suicide attempt. Like that was, mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, like there's something about that that made me glad this is the last one I watched. Because I'm like, I, I genuinely didn't expect him to take it there, and then he did, and I was like, oh my god, okay. Uh, but there's a part at the beginning whenever Margot, I guess it's not at the beginning, it would have been more towards the middle of the movie, but Margot and Raleigh are sitting outside of the new, of the old house, and uh, they're sitting there, and he's like, are you ever coming home? And she goes, I don't know. He goes, I don't, I wish I were dead. Or like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, he just says, I wish I were dead. And like, I, I, I laughed out loud because I didn't realize they would actually do a suicide attempt later in the movie. Yeah. I think uh, maybe that's, that is why it's so, why it works so well for Richie's character is that he was the one who was super rich, you know, was super on the, you know, a well-renowned tennis player. Everyone was calling him out on the streets like, Hey, look at you. You know, I think like it is the most unexpected person out of all of them. You know, you if you expect anyone to actually go that far, it's probably Margot. You know, Margo. just yeah. she's already in a bathtub just smoking by herself. Or Chaz, like you know, lost lost his wife and doesn't, you know, feels just as scared every single day, but then it hits you out of nowhere when it's the guy who had it all, but lost the, it. You know, lost his his love, you know, and it, it is like it is weird for me to like to say it, cause, like like just the brother and sister love, but you know, I don't know. No, I, yeah, I mean, they, they, hand, I, like, they handled it perfectly. Like they it's did. Not like, it was like I've literally never watched a thing with this idea. I think it happens in Dexter. I think it happens in uh, it happens in the Umbrella Academy, and every mm -hmm. single time it happens, I go, "This is fucking disgusting." Because every time they were treated as brother and sister, like they, like they, their yeah. parents brought them up and were like, "This is your sibling. You are." brother and sister yeah um this one this one th they definitely handled it in a way that made it more acceptable because of mm. the way royal treated margo um which is fascinating you know um it's just such a complicated storyline to make work and i can't believe they did um mm -hmm. i think we're just gonna have to be secretly in love with each other and that's how it's gonna have to be close the tent like and i'm i don't know i just like it's such a looking back on the movie like if you're not in the movie in the time it sounds crazy like if you're mm. just to explain this movie to someone who's never seen it i feel like i just couldn't i feel like i just yeah. you just have to watch the movie like well there's that part whenever uh eli 
comes streaming down the street in war paint and on drugs and he crashes the car he flies through the window he's got one shoe off where's my shoe um i was watching it with emily and she goes this movie is fucking insane just because like how do you like what even is that what are we doing here you know like uh it's a wedding yeah it's a wedding that's about to happen and everyone's having cute moments with each other and then out of nowhere war paint owen wilson speeding down the street wow. just kills a dog yeah and then and then you have a chase scene with him and ben stiller you know and then all another one of my almost favorite shots was whenever they're just landed in that other person's backyard and they're just laying there in like that zen mm-hmm. garden you know i don't know just a really nice nice garden back there yeah it was um, really peaceful um yeah, yeah an like, embassy of some sort like uh that they oh really yeah, because when they knock on the door, I think like there's a little plaque there that says like it's an it's it's some country's embassy, and uh, oh, they, they like knock that. on the door and they're like, "Hey, can we go to your backyard? We've got a couple yeah. of boys back there." Uh, I didn't like see the uh, sign, huh? Um, I got I was just focusing too much on on Henry and Royal. Oh yeah, that, no, that's that absolutely time, fair. But um, that's why I can't wait to watch this movie again. Like, is this just to notice all these little details? Oh, there's tons of just little stuff. shit, and that's yeah. how every Wes Anderson movie is, man. Like. There's so much going on in a frame, but he does so good at making you focus on what he wants you to focus on Mm. so that you don't notice all that shit until you go back and watch it. And it's like, uh, it's so satisfying, you know, like, uh, and that's, I think that's part of the purpose of his style is to, it is obviously to like, he is so good at making you look at exactly what he wants you to look at. Not like your eyes aren't wandering. Yeah. You know what you're supposed to be looking at when you're watching a Wes Anderson movie. It's like and he it's, does impeccable at it. It's like it's so simple of a shot. Like I don't. It's like it's so simple that it's complex. Mm-hmm. Like it does. Like it's. I am. You're right. Like I was glued to the screen. Like and I was looking. I don't know. Like I didn't notice anyone but the characters really mm-hmm. early. You know, like what was going on. And like, They're always enveloped in some sort of color that looks like that's what makes the scenes in Richie's tent so beautiful to look at, too, is because like the yellow glow and the uh, the different lights he's got in there and the little trinkets and stuff he has all around them. It just creates an environment that makes it easier for the characters to pop out at you. And there's a, you know, whenever at the beginning, whenever Gene Hackman's sitting at the the end of that table and it's like a, just a giant deep orange wall and a long yes. wood table and he's just the center like that's that's such a simple shot but it's so effectively done and uh i i i adore that style that uh wes anderson and robert yeoman have come together to create um it's it's impeccable it's impeccably well done so and, how uh, much like in how much of like that is on the cinematographer like it versus what you know like how when the movie's being made and they're I setting it, up, you know, like, I, I think guess. it varies production to production. You know, I can't, I can't speak to uh, specifically the dynamic that Robert Yeoman and Wes Anderson have simply because I just, I, I don't know, but I, I will say the director has a very heavy hand in setting up the shot because it's their vision. It's their vision of the mm-hmm. movie. He decides what he wants it to look like, tries to articulate that in the cinematographer's job. I, in my mind, is to make that happen. Um, gotcha. Okay. 
Okay, I see. So just as the director would go to the actor and be like, this is how you're supposed this to is feel, how I want this to look. he goes to the cinematographer. Yes. Okay, I gotcha, gotcha now. That's kind of how that's kind of how I've understood direction and direction versus cinematography to work because you know there's the way a movie looks can't 100% fall on the shoulders of a cinematographer it's extremely important mm-hmm. the director has to okay that and it has to it has to fit within the vision the director had for the movie or else they wouldn't have it in the movie you know that's why well, that's, that's why I poorly directed movies are really lackluster and don't feel continuous and just kind of all over the place yeah um feel like so it's that's the thing quite is that, like, literal too like it's the camera it is the literal vision of the movie you know at this yeah. point like you're literally like and I, I don't know i feel i'm trying to think of like is there a director that is also like a senate like because i feel like i just see a lot of pictures of directors like behind the camera a lot but I wonder if that's just like getting a shot set up, you know, like, is there a yeah, like, and that's the part that's, that's part of it is, you know, like, I think that a cinematographer, like, and that's, that's, it's hard for me to say, cause I don't know, I don't know as much as uh, I should in this regard, but uh, I've, uh, the way that I've always interpreted it is that it's the director's job to set up what, to portray what they want to a cinematographer. The cinematographer's job is to set it up and then the director can help to look at it decide what needs changed what needs to what needs to be fixed and stuff so the only way to know what you're looking at is through a camera lens you know or else Mm -hmm. you won't know what the movie's going to look like you can't just stand there and go yeah this seems right you know you have you have to get behind the camera and you have to decide if that's what it's supposed to look like what i do love about like a director and cinematography pairing robert yeoman is the cinematographer on every wes anderson movie oh that's cool i do so they are they're actor, a team who works together pair, and that's a they, cooler they pair. It happen. Yeah. Um, and that, that goes for a lot of directors and their cinematographers. They're, they're very like, I think James Gunn had the same cinematographer on all of his superhero movies, all of guardians and the suicide squad hmm. and peacemaker. I think all those had the same cinematographer, you know, like that's sometimes that's it's, it's the same with actors. You know, you find the group you like working with, you understand each other, you know what the other wants, you know yeah. how to make that happen. And eventually you all just get to a place where you work so cohesively together that you make those things happen, which is why I think Wes Anderson's style evolves to a point that's just so picturesque, perfect, like mm-hmm. in terms of executed exactly how I think he always wanted to make films in Grand Budapest, in the French Dispatch, and what I'm assuming Asteroid City, given that trailer, it looks like it's those three are going to be visually trilligent you know um like he's he's found he's found the formula and he knows exactly the way he wants his movies to look and it's uh he's it's really incredible actually think about how the movie is made as well like i've i guess i've always just taken movies really at the face value for what the movie is but Mm -hmm. i don't realize that these are real humans just making this thing you know like they are getting together these are not they're forever jobs. These aren't these actual characters. These are just characters that they're coming on, and and this is just their job, you know, which is so weird to me. It's like, acting is so bizarre, man. Yeah, it's so weird. Like there's a disconnect, but like now, like 
I guess maybe I'm just more interested in how movies are made, and now I'm like looking at directors and you know all the behind the scenes stuff. So it's just coming up more in conversation. But I I don't know. It is it is getting way more interesting to me of how a movie's actually made and like what they have to go through to actually get certain shots or setting up you know this performance. Like hey. Uh, Richie, you are slicing your wrists in this, you know, like he has to like actually like, I don't know, like be Act there and yeah. And like, and like say like what you, sh- I don't know. Like it's, it's crazy that like just to think of the actual steps that they had to go through to make the movie. Um, and then what no, yeah, it is, it is always so crazy. That's why that's like whenever someone is a, I, I never, I, I'm always sh- slow to say someone is a bad actor because that shit's hard you know like and you can't like there are plenty of people who are just bad actors but if you're in a movie that's getting released in theaters you're typically at least all right you know you're never you're never like oh my god this is laughably bad you know and i guess that does happen but it's always like I don't know. It's always like, how do, how does that happen? How do you let that happen as someone behind the camera, as someone? And that's when you start to go, oh, well, if there's a really bad actor on screen, it's probably the director's fault. You know, it's not, yeah. it's, it, it's, it can't all be on the shoulders of that actor because that director shouldn't have let that happen. You know, like that's, that's their job mm. quite literally. So like it's, yeah. it's always so fascinating to see something like that, uh, like that happen because like, Shit, there's a moment in this one where, like, it, I I love me some Ben Stiller. I think he's a very talented man, but I think that he's, uh, like, uh, he's playing such a specific character that, like, uh, it it almost makes his performance seem less than for most of the movie. Mm. But then there's that moment at the end whenever Royal gives him the dog, and he like breaks and he goes, "I've had a real rough year." Yeah. I. I melted, Whoa. bro. Like I immediately broke completely, and I was yeah. like, "Dude, I, I, like that's a that's the power of that, you know." Like, d- whenever a, a director knows what they want their character to be like, and it can convince you of one thing, where you're like, "Ah, maybe this isn't all that," and then makes a choice, and you're like, "Oh my god, never mind." They knew exactly what they were doing, huh? Like that's that's the shit right there. I love when that shit works out like that, and I think that. Ben Stiller was a really good example of that in this and uh probably the best example of that in this if I'm if I'm being yeah. honest but uh yeah someone you're really more caring about him for his kids and like you for him to come around and finally mm-hmm. like um you know but but then you have Richie where you you're, Richie and Margo where you I don't know I feel like you just care more about them in the moment like the whole time like you're already like with them but yeah I think that's you're you said it perfectly like it highlights a character that we really, I don't know, can't relate to a whole lot whatsoever in Chaz. But then that moment at the end, like, yeah, it, it I'm like, oh my God, like, it, like I'm tearing up so hard. Like the, and it's, it, it's, you know, he made the Dalmatian mice and then he gets a Dalmatian mm-hmm. dog. Yeah. You know, you have all these little things that come together at the end. It's like things that meant nothing through the movie, you know, at the beginning you have, the Dalmatian mice, I, I didn't think that, just to show that they're smart and geniuses, right. whatever. But then it's like, and then you have Royal coming in and being like, oh, put them in a cage. These things are like disgusting. Like, oh, you should find a cage for them. You know, so he, he trashes on them, but then they have this moment where they both come together and it's like, oh my God, like I didn't think 
all these little things meant anything. But now it's like it adds to this one moment at the end of the movie that actually matters now. And it's just executed so well. And, like, I don't think – no, that like it's very purposeful, you know. Like, all these little mini arcs that go um, on throughout the movie. It's just this constant, like – satisfaction that you keep getting is like slowly the characters develop more and more and more and you're like yes you're getting close like you're you're getting it now you're going to where i want you to go Mm. um and i don't know maybe like it doesn't have to be complex like there doesn't have to be some greater story going on it's literally just these are what these characters are going through and this is like i don't know just god and that's that's the thing that I always love about these movies is that there's there's always something that is like deeply traumatic that has happened to a character. Chaz's wife died in a plane crash and his kids and dogs stayed alive. Of course, he's the way he is. Richie is in love with his adoptive sister and she's she's married another man. That's that's not deeply traumatic, but it sucks. You know, it's really sad for him. Uh, Margo yeah. was adopted at the age of two and was never treated as being a part of the family. That's that is traumatic. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not good. Like all these all these characters have something that makes them. That is a a launching point for the way they are at this point in the movie. And it's like. Mm-hmm. The way that operates is so compelling, you know, and I think the the same can be said for all of his movies. So I'm I'm just so excited to get deeper and deeper into this uh into this director's spotlight because we have seven more movies. We got The Life Aquatic, we got The Darjeeling Limited, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Moonrise Kingdom, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Isle of Dogs, and The French Dispatch. Mm. And uh, a good God run damn. it shall be. I have no idea, but if if this is eight out of eight. I'm ready. I'm strapped in. At the moment, it might be seven. It might be seven. Um, but even so, like it'll nope. just take another viewing of some of these to to really know. Um, God damn! Yeah, this is this. It's a ridiculous run. I wanted to get your on. thoughts on Ethel, Ethelene. Oh, if, I loved Ethel. Like, uh, they meant you know. Obviously, Royal is like the bad parent here and Ethel was the one who was there for mm. them actually raised them whatever but like she cared about their education so much and like you know like made them the way they are like kept them in. like I, I don't know I wonder if there was like something more there of like I think there's a degree there a that where she, uh, like, she overcorrected I yeah. think you know I think there's a there's an element to her that's after you get out of a relationship with a guy like Royal Tenenbaum, you try to do everything you can to be the exact opposite of him. So he was irresponsible. He was irrational. He treated his kids like shit. He didn't care what they did. Mm-hmm. She is going to be overbearing. She is going to do, she's going to be overly responsible. She's going to make sure their kids mm-hmm. don't do anything that could get them in trouble because that's what happened to Royal. He goes to jail and stuff like that's a, I think that's I think that's the the thesis for Ethel and I think that all of them mm. recognize that in their in her, you know, I don't think any of them resent her for that or anything. Um in fact, I think they appreciate it a lot more than they appreciate yeah. Royal, you know. Um Oh yeah. Like I, I it was never really touched on. I think that's why is because 
they they might see it as like, wow, you kept me, you know, in the house all along. You, I had to learn Italian, spend all these languages, you know, or whatever, like, and do all these things. And you made us, you know, spectacles, you know, basically. But but none of them ever have any like anything negative towards Ethel, like whatsoever. Mm. Um, and like she really is just like the mom in this. Like whenever she she figures out that Margot smokes, it's like, well, I think you should quit. Yeah. You know, like she just has the mom thing during the time, you know, and that's I it. Love, and then they move on. I um, also just love Angelica Houston. She's a fantastic mm-hmm. actor. And uh, mm-hmm. like she's in a few more of these movies um, and in every single one of them, she's she's impeccable. You know, I, I love me some Angelica Houston. And uh, this was one of my uh, it's one of my favorite roles of hers. Uh, I, I loved her as Ethel Tenenbaum. I thought she did mm-hmm. a fantastic job. And uh I don't know. There was there was just a lot to like. Character. There was a lot to like in this movie. Yeah, I guess Pagoda. Uh, it, Pagoda. Was he, was he Pagoda. always in pink pants? Did he have pink pants? Like, was that? I don't know. There was someone that had pink pants on, and they kind of just in the back. I don't know. I felt like I and I also like, like every character had their own outfit. Like mm. Chaz wore that Adidas jumpsuit. Every day. Well, and know? then he wore a black, Which, yeah, black Adidas jumpsuit to the funeral. And then the kid, like the BBs, the shots, you know, at the end, like oh, that dude. got me though. Yeah. Like the fact that they were firing off BBs, yes. like the thing like, that his dad shot into his hand, and like I don't uh, know, it's just a weird little homage that ends up getting me that right? shouldn't get me. I don't think, I but know. like I'm just like God, man, damn. Ah. Uh. Like and I don't know every like every character is a true character in this movie because Richie wears the same outfit like everyone wears like the same outfit mm. every day roughly yeah um yeah pretty much They're like cartoon uh, the, characters yeah yeah very very animated it feels you know and and like the way they even talk to each other some is just like this is kind of like a book you know he's making it seem like a book and that's like every chapter like reminded me like oh yeah this is I, I don't know he's telling it just like a like I'm, I'm just experiencing a book visually right now, and I guess that's kind of what movies are, anyways. Mm. And uh, but I don't know. This really made me realize that during the watch. And I think this uh, one, I think you could say that more for this one than you can for a lot of movies, because there's there's an element to this that almost feels like storybook like. You know, it almost feels fantastical, even though it is really grounded and it is very just. Mm. Like I said earlier, mundane. It is just everyday life for these people, you know. It, it just it just is what their life is. But the way they go about explaining it and the way they go about telling the story, it becomes some grander spectacle. Which is what what I love about Wes Anderson is that he just makes the mundane feel huge. He makes mm. it feel grandiose, and uh, he did a fantastic job with the Royal Tenenbaums, man. I just, uh, I loved this movie, and I uh, I cannot wait to keep going with this project. I'm so happy that we're doing this. Didn't know. Scroll down on IMDb a little bit. Alec Baldwin is the narrator. Yeah, was the narrator. Uh, yeah. Didn't, didn't catch that. I guess I probably recognized the voice, but I, I don't know. I didn't, yeah, no, didn't Emily, put... Emily looked at me while we were watching. She goes, who's the narrator? And I went, that's Alec Baldwin. Yeah, you know, I, I I recognize that voice. He's got a very distinct one on yeah. him. Uh, I guess so much so much else was going on. I couldn't even. I, I, yeah, no, I'm and not... that's like so random. There's actually a uh, there's a hilarious SNL skit that's uh, 
SNL Wes Anderson trailer, horror trailer, that is so fucking funny, because uh, Alec Baldwin narrates that. Um, and then all of the, like, Ed Norton was the host of SNL that week, who is eventually goes on to become a very close collaborator with Wes Anderson in a bunch of his movies, and he's playing Owen Wilson. <laughs> so he go, he keeps going, wow, there's people outside. They want to kill us. They've got uh, axes. Um, and they're all like, it's, it's, and this is the reason, like, you know, a big trend lately is the AI Wes Anderson stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of it feels so hollow, you know, like it's all just, it's all just shots. It's all just random shit. And like, that's dumb. That's dumb. like you just can't replicate the There's way no someone's going to make you feel. At least something like this, a spoof parody was made by a human who had intentions and wanted to yeah. do something with it. Like it's just I don't know. I, think, I appreciate stuff like that a lot more. But this yeah. the skit is just absolutely hilarious. I can't recommend it enough for anyone who's not seen it. It's about two and a half minutes and it's fucking hilarious. Wow. Yeah, um, just it love seeing Owen Wilson, you know, uh, just, I don't know. It's it's cra- like in in Ben Stiller. Like I don't know these actors that I would normally see in movies, and I'm like, yeah, that's Owen Wilson, or yeah, that's Ben Stiller. Um, Your mind is about to be yeah. fucking opened in terms of Owen yeah. Wilson, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like I thought, I thought Loki was the breakout. Like, oh man, this guy can act. Oh, this guy can fucking act, man. And yeah, like, uh, it's Wes Anderson who gets the most out of him. Um the character he plays in the life aquatic and the care, like specifically the character he plays in the Darjeeling limited might be the most like specific character work he's ever done. It's just like, it's so damn good. Like, uh, I re- I really, really enjoy him and Wes Anderson stuff, man. It's, uh, I, like all of a sudden I look at Owen Wilson completely differently than I did before. I knew him from wedding crashers and yeah. the internship and these comedies with Vince Vaughn and stuff. Yeah. And now I'm like, Oh, Owen Wilson is an act is a dramatic actor, you know, and not to say that comedic actors aren't good at what they do. Comedic actors are fantastic at what they do. Um, yeah, it's just no, always I- so fascinating to see them provide their range. And whenever they do, it's what makes you realize that's what makes them so good at comedy. You know, there's a dude who, uh, one of the people who I think is a fantastic actor who in a lot of his movies is absolutely fucking hilarious just because they're so good at playing it that way is Adam Driver. Fantastic actor. You know him as a dramatic actor. Whenever he's playing a funny role, he's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, uh. And that's that's Owen Wilson, you know, like he's I don't know that he has quite the chops that Adam Driver does. But when he does dig into the bag, he does a really good job. And I think it's what makes him so believable as a comedic actor, because that's, you know, I think a lot of people sleep on how difficult comedic acting is, you know, like you are you are really you're really stranded out there. You're trying to make people laugh. And when you're on set. You don't know if it's going to make people laugh, you know, like that's just like like to live react you know you, yeah. you can't feed off and on you're just like in open air you know the mm-hmm. camera and people just holding sound you know it's just like in on a set you know you got nothing you know i guess they probably have like some laughs in the background you know like they have some takes so i bet right, it's like right. it's it's probably like it's fun to make a comedy movie you know and i bet like that that's how you have to make it you have to make it like fun and 
you can't just make it like a a job site, you know. Like, but yeah, you're right. Like comedic acting is you have to act as well as like make people laugh. You know, mm. that's you're doing two jobs at once, and it's hard to do both. You know, hard to do one in the first. You know, just and part of that one. is like you have to know you're funny. Mm. You know, like you have to have this security in yourself because that's what I think. That's part of what makes Gene Hackman's performance in this so damn good is that like he knows he's funny and that's how he is delivering his lines. It's like, he is like, what I'm saying is a joke and you know it, I know it, but I'm also a big enough dick to where you'll think I'm serious about it too. Mm-hmm. And I am, yeah. you know, and that's, what's fascinating is like, it's, it's just such a fascinating dichotomy that Gene Hackman's Royal Tenenbaum proposes where he's like, he's so playful and stupid and funny but he's also just a dick and an asshole and sad, you know, like he's not a, he's not a happy guy. There's this shot where whenever Chaz is like shutting the door on him, he's like a uh, lights out at 1130 mm. and uh, there's like one light streaming in through the door and it's just on his face, you know? And then the, yeah. the door shuts and it goes completely dark. Like, it's like, I thought it was just a really good visual cue as to where gene hackman's royal tenenbaum was at this point in the story you know like that he shut out nobody cares he's done this to himself and that's how they're that's how they're going about it man it's uh it's yeah the more i talk about it the more i I loved this movie you know i already loved it but uh the more i talk about it it's just it just gets better and better i found the line between royal and henry he says, I've always been considered an asshole for about as long as I can remember. That's just my style. But I really feel blue if I didn't think you were going to forgive me. And he says, I don't think you're an asshole, Royal. I just or I just think you're kind of a son of a bitch. And he says, well, <laughs> I really appreciate that. And then they go on to get get their sons, you know, out of the backyard. You know, like, a real, like we have a couple boys in your backyard, you know, yeah. like, what, like a... At an embassy, that makes it even better. You know, like, you see a, like, a white and a black man come up to, like, a, like, some embassy saying, we have, we have two sons in your backyard. Like, what, what, right. What was was, also hilarious is that, like, there was this real vagueness about the wall that Chaz throws. Eli (laughs) over? Off a building? Like, I thought he might have thrown him (laughs) off a building and killed him. Um, and then, like, he jumps right over and I'm like, ah, okay, cool. Um, yeah, cause, but I thought like he was, he was mad enough oh, that I don't think he knew that was there. You know, I think he just tossed him he and was, was seeing like, red. Yeah. He was seeing red. He was just going, he he was full, full blood out for blood. Uh, but man, yeah, that, <laughs> cause I, he lands and then like Owen Wilson says something, I think like either as he's falling or like either. Know, as the, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but man, yeah, that, I don't know. It's such just a weird movie that just worked on every level though like it, it mm. and I, I don't know i'm i'm so glad that this was like my introduction to wes you know i'm too and um i'm i'm glad to to keep it going um cuz i'm not stopping with him yeah i'm i'm getting the full repertoire oh fuck yeah but i think that leaves us with a rating and we are going to do this a bit differently than we typically do ratings we're not going to do any genre rating or obviously no adaptation rating. Uh, we're just doing enjoyment and critical, and there is going to be a little bit of a weight on the critical side of things. It's going to be two-thirds, one-third. So two-thirds of the rating will be critical. One-third of the rating will be enjoyment. 
but we will rate them separately and uh then we'll get that average and we'll have it all together for us so uh man where are you where are you sitting with this one enjoyment wise after after the first viewing hmm. it's very interesting usually we we have a lot of other movies to compare to like with the this comic book movies or brand fucking new for you yeah, huh brand new but but i feel like we've been doing it long enough we have a pretty good idea um i think um floor would be like seven five seven seven five would be like a okay. floor but i feel like i'm in the eights for enjoyment like because i'm i'm laughing i'm crying i'm mm-hmm. hat you know but um i don't know i feel like maybe like eight around i was uh i was a little north of that you know i was i was eight five is kind of where i was sitting eight five eight seven five for enjoyment um yeah because it's just uh and like like i said this is eight out of eight for me at the moment so if that gives you any insight as to where i am with all of his movies i'm like all these movies to me there are a lot of them that will be tens you know like that's uh Mm, that's where that's i'm familiar. at and uh this one isn't quite there but it's not super far off like my my ceiling was a nine my floor was an 825 i'm okay. like if you want to work within that range i'm down to go with you yeah no, nine would seem too high okay I'd say. That, that's that's where it, it's getting a little too high but i'd say like actually eight five like okay. now that I'm I'm reflecting on it because like I am like it did take me by surprise like how affected I was by this movie like mm. and I not just like the like I was laughing I was having like an actual enjoyable time during the movie but then like the actual like emotional side of it at the end um added added a whole lot to the movie that I didn't expect so I think like it does deserve that bump um, okay I think I was a little low at the beginning there Cool. I think like eight, I'm glad, eight, I'm glad to have talked or... you up a little bit. Yeah, eight five is. I'm perfectly cool with that. That's where my like gut that. was. So I like. Okay. Now, um, but that takes us to the critical Ooh. rating. I think it was really well written, really well shot. I think that the music choices were brilliant. The beginning montage of their childhood being set to "Hey Jude," I think is kind of brilliant. Just because, like, there's also that story behind "Hey Jude" where it's actually about. It's actually written to a kid whose parents were divorced to let them know that you'll always be loved. And, like, that's kind of the thesis for the movie. But to kick it off with, like, uh, to kick it off with that, with Hey Jude, is, like, I thought that was really, uh, like, a really good choice. The Like, when a beginning of a movie feels like the end of a movie, it's bizarre. And that's how it felt. Like, whenever he lets Mordecai fly away and he's, like, yeah. the, the music picks up and it's like nah 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 you know and it's like right okay yeah yeah, hell yeah and then it's like now the movie begins and you're like oh okay um yeah and how he introduces every character at the beginning like uh and like it just it's kind of like credits you know like at the beginning of the movie as yeah yeah but but instead i don't know it's just giving like usually in the it's just like i don't know you'll be in a a drone shot, you'll just be seeing like landscape or something, and then it's just and showing like, everyone's name names. or something. Yeah, it's just random names that mean nothing to me right now. You know, if I know them, cool. If I don't, I don't know who this person is, and I don't know, right. like, I don't know, but but giving them like 
ah, here's Look this person, here's the name, what their yeah. character looks like, here's, and then, like, a little background of them, too, you know, like, give you just, here's a little bit about this character, you'll learn a lot more about them, obviously, in the movie, but here's just a little stuff to get you stuck in the brain, you know, mm. uh, and I think, I don't know, it worked, worked really well, and, yeah, visually, like, you're, I don't know, my eyes are glued onto just everything that's on this, I don't know, like, it, it's so visually pleasing, but so simple at like the same time. I don't know how to like explain it. It is, and it is just like a good journalism in in motion. Like I am just watching like a story unfold. Um, yeah, man. And yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, like, what the scale is here critically. Um, um critically, I end up falling. I end up falling around an eight and I think eight's my floor. Um, but I don't have a huge range here. I think it's eight to eight two five. I think it's, it's in that range. It's a damn good movie. Mm-hmm. I don't, uh, when we get to like nines and stuff, I'm looking at like near perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like there's very little about this movie that could have been better. And I don't know what I would have changed to make this movie better. I just know that he has movies later that in my opinion, are better so like uh i i have to have room to to grow and uh i think that i think that an eight is it kind of ends up summing how i feel about this movie i think that uh visually it was brilliant but there's uh there's something he even like there are points in this movie where he doesn't abandon his style but he goes to that like handheld shaky cam Every once in a while, mm-hmm. like that part when like Gwyneth Paltrow and El- and Owen Wilson are talking on that bridge that like is like an L shape and it like keeps cutting mm-hmm. back and forth between them. Like I thought that was impeccably well done. And that one doesn't actually abandon his style, but it was like the handheld shaky cam thing was interesting. Like whenever Chaz comes and wakes up his kids and is like a fire, fire, there's mm-hmm. a fire. We got to go, you know, yeah. like. That's that. That's not shot like your typical Wes Anderson thing. And in later movies, even a scene like that is shot like a typical Wes Anderson movie, which is difficult to do. And but wow. he finds a way to do it. And it's uh. So that's that's the thing where I'm like, that doesn't make this movie worse. It's just I just know that it can be better. Um. So eight is about where I come down at. Yeah, I think um I'm around there too. I think uh. I don't have many gripes with it at all, and like I, I, because I, I don't, I don't really know what else to compare it to with his other stuff. So like I, I don't really mm-hmm. have that. But as far as like just other movies and how I enjoy it or how I think it's just well made compared to that, I, I mean, performed very well. Like I, I don't, I don't think I have a single performance where I'm like, ah man, they could have done a little bit better. Um, and I think it's, it is the strength of the director. It was written in a way that, like, just everyone kind of understood their character, and the moments that happened on screen, like, were very impactful, actually meant, I don't know, I was very fulfilled, but I do think there is just a little room to grow. Um, Hmm. I I do see that a little bit, but not by much, so I do think eight would be fair. Um, All right, and what's that that bring us to overall? I guess we'll have to do a little Excel math. We'll do a little of that plus... Um, because we're weighting it differently here, so I have to do that. Ah, divided by three. Now, 
it would be an eight one six 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 six. So eight uh eighty two percent. Eighty two percent, we'll say. But yeah, eighty two. I like uh I like that. I think that uh, that does sum up about how I feel. It is uh it's a little a little nicer than the uh IMDB rating, which has it at a seventy six and uh rotten tomatoes. Let's see what they've got this bad boy at. Alrighty, Rotten Tomatoes Royal Ten and Bombs is at an eighty one percent. Okay. Yeah. So we're uh we're right there, you know. Uh which I can uh, I can appreciate eighty nine percent audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is very strong. Yeah. Uh, Wes Anderson very beloved by the people who like his movies, uh, and these movies only get better and better in my opinion. And uh, mm. man, I'm so happy that we're we're getting yeah. this rolling with an eighty two percent for the Royal Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. You got any uh, parting thoughts before we push forth with this project, my man? Let's see. Hmm. We didn't forget a character, did we? I think we covered all our bases. We got everyone. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I have anything else. All right. Then with that, we will conclude this episode of the Director's Spotlight. Wes Anderson is up. And, man, one down, seven to go, uh, an eighth in Asteroid City. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm very, very excited. I'm so excited for that movie, and I'm so glad we're doing this in anticipation of that. Um, but with that, if you would head to patreon.com slash penny bloom pod, where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content, including all sorts of, uh, book reviews, comic book reviews, movie reviews, and the like. I've started writing again, and that's been very fulfilling. So I'm writing a lot of reviews. I've actually just recently posted up a first viewings, uh, list and that was in, uh, that was in writing and that included the Grand Budapest Hotel and the French Dispatch. And what was it? I can't remember. There was one more. I don't know. There was three. Oh, it was Bottle Rocket, another Wes Anderson movie, but it came before the Royal Tenant Bombs. So th- those three were all included in my most recent first viewings writing. And it was, uh, very fun. It was very fun. And, uh, I'm a little bit behind. I watched these for the first time a couple months ago and, uh, trying to catch up. So you got plenty of content coming your way over there for $3 a month. You can support this podcast financially, which is huge because it costs me money and I don't make any off of it unless it's over there. Um, if you're interested in our director spotlight project, we just did the whole, a whole hour of planning for it, including this Wes Anderson, but, and I won't spoil who it is. We already know who's going to be next and we already know, uh, what we're going to do in the future going all the way through August for the director spotlight. Um, and that's only over at patreon.com right now. And I won't be announcing that until we're nearing the end of this Wes Anderson section. So if you want to know sooner than later, you can head on over there, especially if, uh, if any of you are interested in joining us, if you're, if you're a big fan of Wes Anderson, uh, and you're, you're excited to talk about his movies, uh, hit me up and we'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can arrange. We plan on recording a little bit this weekend. Uh, so we might be a couple weeks in advance, but, uh, if uh, if any of them sound appealing to you, or if you have a director that you want us to talk about, hit me up and uh, let me know what you want to hear because I, I like I love doing this. I want to get open to more directors. I'm already pretty open to a lot of them, but uh, I, I want even more. I want more under my belt. So uh, mm-hmm. hit me up. Let me know what you want to hear us talk. And if we want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. If we don't, we'll talk about whatever the fuck we want. So sorry. Uh, 
But yeah, patreon.com slash pennybloompod. Head to Twitter, follow at pennybloompod. Follow on Instagram at pennybloompodcast. Remember to leave a five-star rate and review wherever you might be listening. If you're fucking with me and Joe, we are currently re-watching Game of Thrones on Mondays. Season three just concluded this week. And season three, episode 10, the finale of season three. And season four starts next week. We are pushing right through that rewatch, and I'm so happy that we're doing that. Uh, we have been doing the comic book movie journey through film on Fridays. That is on pause for the next four, four weeks, as this Friday, the next Friday, the next Friday, and the next Friday, uh, we'll be doing Wes Anderson. Uh, nothing but Wes Anderson for the next few weeks in terms of Wednesdays and Fridays. This Friday brings us Wes Anderson's The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Um, and I'm very excited for that. Um, we already have 20 comic book movies discussed, too. So it was actually kind of a sexy point to uh, stop, which I didn't realize. It was exactly 20. Exactly 20 weeks that we've been doing that. So that I was works. like, ah, okay, cool. Wasn't a bad place to stop. I like didn't that. Didn't mean uh, to do that, but hey. Yeah, yeah all right. shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, 20 comic book movies. Uh, if you want to go, if you're a comic book movie fan, go ahead and check those out. You know, we contain multitudes, you know? We, we we talk about any movie and every movie. We like movies, man. We're going to talk about it. So go ahead and check that out. Um, I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. And remember, peace, love, and bloom. And anybody interested in grabbing a couple of burgers and hitting the cemetery? <laughs>